morning, Grace Church. Great to see you this morning. And uh, man, it's great to have you. We are continuing our series called Gifts. And uh, um, last Sunday, we talked about the gift of God's goodness. And I don't know about you, but I was greatly blessed when you wrote down ways that God has been good to you. And then Dan and Cindy stood up here and they read some of the responses that you had written down. And I was just refreshed. I was encouraged and really blessed by all the things that were written down um, about how good our God is. And this morning we're talking about the gift of hope. And we are going to be diving into this topic of hope. And it is a season of hope. It's a season filled with, um, with generosity. It's a season filled with goodness. But it's also a season that reminds us that we have hope. In 1927, an American submarine collided with a Coast Guard vessel off the coast of Provincetown, Mass., and it began to sink, the submarine did. And the Coast Guard and the Navy, they sent divers to assess the damage, and they began, uh, they began the operation um, of, of rescuing this vessel. As the divers got close to the submarine, they heard a sailor tapping on the hull of the submarine in Morse code. The sailor asked this question through Morse code. This was the question. Is there hope? Is there hope? You know, that's a foundational question of life. Is there hope? Is there hope? It's asked every day by countless people in countless ways. When, you know, it's asked by people that are sitting in a doctor's office awaiting test results. Is there hope? It's asked by people who, uh, maybe it's a couple, and they've gone through months and months of counseling, and there doesn't seem to be, uh, you know, it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And they can ask the question, is there hope? Maybe it's asked by people dealing with a tax accountant in a bankruptcy court. Or maybe it's asked by a family who hears that their child is missing. Is there hope? You know, you can survive 40 days without food. You can survive three days without water and roughly eight minutes without air. But you cannot last a single second without hope. Hope is the essential part of our life. Hope is absolutely necessary. When hope is gone, life is over. People everywhere are looking for hope. They're looking for purpose. They're looking for, man, why am I here? Why, why am I on this planet? What, what's my purpose? And is there hope for my life? Is there hope for my family? Is there hope for my future? But sadly, many people are looking for it in the wrong places. They're looking for it in relationships. They're trying to find hope in a relationship with a man or with a woman. They're trying to find hope in self-help books or They're trying to find hope in religion, or they're trying to find hope in self-righteousness. Man, if I just am good enough, if I just do enough good things, maybe that will give me the hope that I long for. But there's only one place to find real hope. The scripture tells us that hope is found by turning to God. And this is what the Apostle Paul tells us in a letter that he wrote to the church in Rome. The Christians in Rome at this time, when 
Paul was writing this letter, the Christians in Rome were being persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. Man, I thank God for the country that we live in, that we can freely practice our faith, that we can freely worship Jesus Christ. But it wasn't so for these Christians in Rome. They were being persecuted. They were being put to death for their faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul said this to these Christians in Rome. He said this in Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. He said, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, you need that kind of hope. I need that kind of hope, a confident kind of hope. Not a shaky hope, not a fearful hope, not a I hope so kind of hope, but a confident kind of hope. Man, when you trust in Him, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit works in you to fill you with this incredible hope, knowing that God is in control, that He loves you, and He is working for your good. Now, sometimes, in order for us to get a good picture of hope, sometimes we have to look at the opposite of what hope is not. We need to look at what hopelessness is to to better understand, maybe to better appreciate what hope really is. The opposite of hope is hopelessness. Let me tell you a story about experiencing a little hopelessness just, just the other night. Trisha and I, we were driving around Bayfield. We live out in Bayfield. And we were driving around. We were waiting for one of our boys to get out of basketball practice. And so we were like, hey, let's just drive around. Let's look at the lights. And uh, so we were driving around the neighborhoods of Bayfield. And we were um, admiring everyone's uh, Christmas lights and just having good conversation, enjoying ourselves. And I was driving really slow, you know, so we could uh, really take in the, the, the festive lights. And as I was driving, all of a sudden, Trisha said, somebody stole baby Jesus. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, she was like, look, and, and I had passed the house, and so I had to put it in reverse, and there was no traffic, you know, and so I'm now pulling Mater, you know, backing up. And uh, sure enough, I look over at the house, and in the front yard is a nativity scene. And this is what we saw right here. Somebody stole baby Jesus. I mean, who does that? Who steals baby Jesus? Somebody stole baby Jesus. Or maybe they just took him out of the cold for the night. I don't know. But, you know, in in all seriousness, that picture right there could really be a picture of what hopelessness would look like. Man, if Jesus hadn't come, we would be without hope. Hopelessness is a feeling or a state of despair. It's the lack of hope knowing that hope has been lost. That's what hopelessness means. Many of us have, you know, we have uh, heard the story of Job. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I've never heard the story of Job. That's okay. Let me... uh, tell you about Job. Job was a man in the scriptures, and this this man looked hopelessness right in the eyes. He went through some things in his life that I don't think any of us have ever experienced to this extent. He experienced hopelessness to the nth degree. In just a matter of a few hours, Job lost everything. He got news that his business was just wiped out. 
All right, so think about the business, the, the work that you do to make money to provide the gifts on Christmas, okay? And think about that job just going away. You don't have any income now. You just heard that your livelihood has just been wiped out. That's what happened to Job. Another messenger came to Job, and he, he got news that uh, not only was his business wiped out, but all of his employees, he was a rancher, so he had a lot of livestock, and he had employees, and all of his employees and all of his livestock were killed by an enemy army that came in and raided his ranch. They came in and they wiped out. They killed all of his employees. They killed all of his livestock. So he lost his business. He lost his friends, the people that he worked with. And then a third messenger came to Job. And this is all in the matter of a 24-hour window, by the way. Another messenger came to Job and told him the tragic news that a house had collapsed and all of his children were inside the house and none of them survived. I mean, talk about one of the worst days ever. This is what Job experienced. His livelihood had just been wiped out, his friends, the people that he employed, his livestock wiped out, and now he just heard that his children had been killed. And after hearing all of that horrible news, Job said some things that, the words that he said has lived on as some of the most powerful words in all of Scripture. After hearing all of that horrible news, Job tore his robe in grief. Like he didn't know what else to do except just rip his robe. He, he tore his robe, and then he said in Job 1, verse 20 and 22, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Now, I don't know about you, but I would, I would bet a lot of your money, once again, okay, that that would probably not be my response. I don't know if that would be your response. But Job did not sin by blaming God. Remember, we talked last week that a lot of times when, they, when people go through horrible situations, when they go through hardships, the first thing that they do is they raise a fist to God and they blame God. Even if, even if they don't even believe in God, sometimes they will still blame God for their hardships and for their, um, for their pain, for their suffering, whatever they may be going through. But Job didn't do that. He actually praised the name of the Lord. He trusted God that even through this horrific, hopeless situation that God would come through somehow, some way. You would think hearing all of that horrible news would lead a man to utter despair and hopelessness, but listen to what Job said about hopelessness in Job chapter 8, verses 11 through 13. And I want to encourage you to read, um, it's called the book of Job. It's actually just uh, Job, and he's writing about his experience. And let me just tell you, it wasn't all positive like that. He did go through some very dark days, okay? But this is what he said about hopelessness in Job chapter 8, verses 11 through 13. He said, can papyrus reeds grow tall without a marsh? Can marsh grass flourish without water? While they are still flowering, not ready to be cut, they begin to wither more quickly than the grass. The same happens to all who forget God. 
the hopes of the godless evaporate. Job was saying this, okay? This is, this is the main idea for today. This is, the, this is the big idea that I want you to walk away with today. Those who forget God will eventually lose all hope. Those who forget God will eventually lose all hope. And, and unfortunately, a lot of people are putting their hope in the wrong things. They're putting their hope in material things. Man, if I could just have the car, if I could have the house, if I could have the money, if I could have this relationship with this woman or with this man, they're putting their hopes in things that will not last forever. If you forget God, you will eventually lose hope because God is the source of hope. You see, hopelessness happens when you find yourself in a situation where there is no confident expectation for a positive outcome. That's, that's hopelessness. You find yourself in the situation where you have lost hope that a positive outcome will happen. That's the definition of hopelessness. It's, it's being at the end of your rope. And you've heard the old saying, if you're at the end of the rope, tie a knot and hang on, okay? This hopelessness is being at the end of the rope and you can't tie a knot. The rope is actually, you, you're not even holding on to it no more. You've lost all hope. Some of you right now are in that place. And maybe it is in your marriage. You're like, I, I just don't have hope that a positive outcome is going to happen in my marriage. Maybe it is in the, in, in the place of employment that you're at. Maybe it's in a, in a different situation of your life, but you've lost hope that there's going to be a positive outcome. You've lost confidence in the future. You have no confidence that things are going to work out in a positive way. Maybe you feel like, man, I've tried everything. I've looked everywhere, and it just seems hopeless. But like Paul, I want to pray this over you this morning. Okay? I'm going to read these verses, but I'm going to read them in an attitude and a spirit of prayer over you this morning. Romans 15, 13. I pray for you this morning that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read that one more time because it's that good, okay? I'm going to pray it over you one more time. Father, I pray for everyone here this morning that you, God, the source of hope, would fill everyone here this morning completely with joy and peace because they trust in you. And then we know that they will overflow with this confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if we go to the source of hope, Jesus Christ, if we fill ourselves daily with his refreshing presence, guess what happens? Whatever you're struggling with, it begins to fade away. It's replaced by God's love and joy and peace confidence and hope. I've used this illustration before, but I'm going to use it again. This is a guitar pick, okay? <clears throat> this is your problems. 
these are my problems. The size of this guitar pick. This, this whole room, okay? Everything around us. This is the confident hope in God. These are the promises of God. And so our problems in comparison to the hope and to the promises and the power of God, they're minuscule. Our problems are nothing compared to the power of God. But when we take our problems and we bring it closer and closer and closer, and that's all, I'm going cross-eyed, all right, that's all we focus on, and we bring it really close, and all I see is my problems, but I forget about the promises and the hope and the power of God. Now my problems are consuming me, and I'm forgetting about the power of God. What I'm, what I'm trying to encourage you is to focus on God, focus on how awesome He is and His power, and then all of a sudden your problems become smaller and smaller and smaller, and you remember how great and almighty and how powerful God is. Man, focus on Him, and then your problems, they will not go away, but they will become less of your focus, and you will have a confident hope that maybe you've never had before. Go to the source of hope, Jesus Christ. Be refreshed in his love and in his grace. I, I'm, I'm encouraging us this morning, throughout this Christmas season, as we go in to Christmas Eve, to Christmas Day, as we go into 2020, let's not forget God. Let's not lose hope. Let's remember that Jesus did come as a baby. He came from heaven. He didn't have to, but he came willingly. He came joyfully, and he came with incredible purpose. He came on a mission to redeem. And listen, Jesus didn't stay a baby. He grew up to become a man, and this man, Jesus Christ, lived a perfect life. He came to save, to rescue, to redeem you and me. He came to make a way out of our brokenness, out of our impressive piles of sin. And let me tell you, I have a pretty impressive pile of sin. And I know you do too. But he came to make a way out of that brokenness. And that hope was in the form of a precious little baby. It's incredible. The Apostle Paul tells us in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 9 that this hope is the anchor for our souls. This is what keeps us grounded. This is what keeps us uh, waking up day after day to live a purposeful life. And then Paul tells us that Jesus humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross. And the second person of the Godhead, the one who is and was sinless, the one who had only known perfection for all eternity, now he has the weight of the sins of all the world. All those impressive piles of sins were placed upon the shoulders of Jesus Christ when he was on the cross. And all of your sin, all of my sin, all of the past, the present, the future, all of those sins, all of those wrongdoings, all of those things we could wish we could take back, they were placed on the sinless shoulders of Jesus. And now he who knew no sin became sin for you and for me. What does that mean? It means he took our brokenness. He paid our price on the cross. Jesus was stripped of all of his clothes. He was mocked. He was disgraced. He was left to die. The author of life, the one who 
breathed life into Adam and Eve at the very beginning of time. The creator who takes his final breaths. And in those final breaths, he says, it is finished. And then he submits himself to the ultimate weapon of evil. And let me tell you, he did this willingly. Okay, He didn't go to the cross kicking and screaming. He died willingly. I mean, in just a moment, he could have snapped his fingers. He could have gone, he could have given a whistle. He could have said, here now, you know, come on now. He could have done anything. I don't know. But thousands of angels would have come and would have wiped out planet Earth if that's what he wanted. But he willingly submitted himself to the ultimate weapon of evil, death. The giver of life gave up his life for you and me. He spilled his blood for the forgiveness of your sins and my sins and the sins of the world. The light of the world died. You know what's really incredible? At the very moment that this world felt the most hopeless, when Jesus died, said that darkness covered the earth, there was an earthquake, all of Jesus' disciples, his friends, um, everyone deserted him. At this world's moment of helplessness, when it seemed like all was lost, when it seemed like darkness had won. Maybe that's what, what you feel like this morning. You feel like, man, I feel like darkness is winning. I feel like I'm hopeless. When the world felt most hopeless, the light of the world came back to life. And he conquered death, hell, Satan, and the grave. And because of this reality, that Jesus is alive right now, it means that anyone can be redeemed. Anyone. Anyone can be redeemed. And some of you might say, man, that's just too good to be true. Let me tell you, it is good and it is true. And I've seen God do it. Listen, I've seen him do it time and time again. I've seen him reach down and take a hold of a broken life and put it back together. I've seen people make the decision to follow Jesus and begin to walk hand in hand with God towards a new life, a new eternity, a whole new purpose, a whole new destiny for their future. And it all goes back to that moment when they humbled themselves and they asked God to rescue them. And they asked Jesus to be their God. I want you to know this morning that the gift of hope is real. Hope is is founded on God's strength, not yours. Man, I'm so glad that it's not up to me to fix people, to fix brokenness, because I am completely incapable. You are completely incapable. But real hope is founded on God's strength, not your own strength. Listen once again to the words of the Apostle Paul. This was another letter that he wrote called Hebrews I heard an old joke that said, how do you know that people drank coffee in the Bible? Because he brews. Okay. Man, that is so cheesy. All right. <laughs> the Apostle Paul said this in Hebrews 6, 18 and 19. So God has given both his promise and his oath. Like, let that sink in for just a moment. God has made a promise and an oath. 
These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. You may have been lied to by your father, by a friend, but God cannot lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Hebrews 6, 18 and 19. Listen, when we choose to remain in this promised hope from God, when we choose, when we make the decision, okay, it seems hopeless, but gosh, if my situation wasn't as hopeless as Job's, my situation wasn't as hopeless as Jesus. I mean, he was dead, but yet God brought him back to life. He rose again. So whatever hopeless situation you're facing, you can make the decision, gosh, I'm not going to throw in the towel. I'm not going to quit. When times get tough, one thing is certain. We are on our way to fulfilling our God-given, God-ordained, God-designed destiny. Don't lose heart. Whatever you're facing, don't, don't lose heart. Don't give up. Believe God. Continue to move forward with this expectant kind of hope. And just trust and believe that God will do what he says he will do. He's made an oath. He's made a promise. Trust in him. Get up. Take a step forward and have a confident hope that God is going to turn it into good somehow, some way. This is the gift of hope. 